This episode is brought to you by Accenture. A better you starts with better hydration. Accenture is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Essentia Overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now. 16 years from today, Greg Gerstner will finally land the perfect cannonball. Epic Splash. Unsuspecting Friends. A work of art only possible because Greg is already meeting all these same people at AARP volunteer and community events that keep him active and involved and help make sure his happiness lives as long as he does. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org local. It takes a lot of hard work to make it look easy. This Mother's Day, Duluth Trading Co. can help you give her something that keeps up. Whether you prefer to shop online or in-store, Duluth has a motherload of gear, goods, and gifts to keep her comfortable and capable, no matter what needs doing. With Duluth's problem-solving details and legendary durability to boot, you'll finally be mom's favorite again. Check out DuluthTrading.com for all your Mother's Day gifting needs. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone because individually we're great, but together we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian software. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Hello, I'm Oliver Condit, the editor of BBC Music Magazine, and welcome to the BBC Music Podcast. You can buy a copy of the magazine at your local newsagents or download our app to your iPad, Kindle Fire or Android tablet. And for the latest music news and more, head to our website at classical-music.com. Hello, and welcome to our monthly cover CD podcast, in which we take a brief look at the works on the disc that accompanies the latest issue of BBC Music Magazine. I am Jeremy Pound, the magazine's deputy editor, and with me is our staff writer, Rosie Pentreath. Hello. Today we're listening to our January 2015 issue CD of Cello Suites by J.S. Bach, played by the great Mustislav Rostropovich. Of Bach's six suites for solo cello, our disc features number two in D minor, number three in C, and number six in D. We'll begin our listening with something of a flourish. Here's the opening of the courant of suite number two. <laughs> (音楽) ¶¶ 
That was Mustislav Rostropovich, recorded live at the Edinburgh Festival in 1975, playing Bach's second cello suite. While Bach's six suites differ significantly in character and technical demands, all six of them are relatively similarly structured. Tell us a bit more about them in general, Rosie. Yes, absolutely. So um, there are six suites that differ in character and sort of technique, like you said, but they're all based on these four essential genres of the time, uh, dance genres. You've got the Allemande, the Courant, Sarabande and Gigue. Um, and what Bach's done is added several different dances to each suite. So you've got a prelude for all of the suites, but the suites we have here, suites two, three and six, they also have, ad- uh, number two has an added minuet, Number three has two berets, and number six has two gavottes. Excellent. So that's six movements per suite in all. So in all all six suites, you have 36 movements in total, but on our disc, you get 18 different movements. For our next excerpt, I think we're going to stay with suite number two. Here's the beginning of the closing gigue. That was Mustislav Rostropovich in the closing gig of Bach's cello suite number two. One of the things we know most about Bach's cello suites is, ironically, just how little we do, in fact, know about them. As we point out in the sleeve notes that accompany this disc, it's not entirely certain when they were composed, or for whom they were composed, or even for what exact type of instrument they were composed. Rather radically, it's even been suggested recently that they weren't even by Bach himself, but by his second wife, Anna Magdalena. Explain, Rosie. Mm, Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this theory about Anna comes from this lack of certainty. I mean, they've got a status as the finest single collection for the instrument, and yet, yeah, like you say, not much is known about the origin. Um, There's general agreement about the rough date, so from about 1717 to 23, um, when Bach was in Cotton for Prince Leopold, um, and where he wrote Brandenburg concertos and lots of the instrumental concertos that we know and love. But yeah, the exact dates are not known. Basically, there are sort of two scores that people base the dates on, one from 1726, which isn't complete, and the other, which is complete, dates from 1730. Now, this one was um, completed by Bach's wife, Anna, that's where she comes in. But as you say, actually, some people have, it's led to some people to say, you know, if she completes them, maybe she wrote them. Um, Martin Jarvis has written a book and recently made a documentary about this. It's quite controversial. He, he sort of suggests many things, um, basically basing it on the fact that Anna was quite a well-trained musician, um, that you have this 1730 score that has her name on it. Um, and he kind of had a niggling feeling, apparently, that, you know, it, it sounds like Bach, but not quite J.S. Bach, perhaps. Um, and in the corner of the 1730 score, um, there's, there's a little... Um, snippet of writing that apparently translates directly as written by Mrs. Bark, his wife. Also, don't graphologists suggest or haven't they suggested 
all bit, maybe a little bit tenuously, that the way that the music is written out suggests someone who was actually thinking as she was writing rather than just copying, I think, is that's the another mm. of the kind of the theories they've got. But to be fair to to Martin Jarvis and his team, they've not kind of suggested that theirs is definitely the definitive answer. There's, they've they've added it as a suggestion rather than kind of a conclusion. Mm, absolutely, yeah. It's kind of the controversy and just this new idea around it, really. Well, if it was indeed Anna Magdalena who wrote them, let's hear a little more of her handiwork. Here's the gorgeous Saraband from Suite Number no. 3 in C. Such is Bach's popularity today that we tend to imagine that his music has always been in the mainstream. However, it's not always the case. It is, in fact, largely thanks to a 20th century cello legend that we have the cello suites in the current repertoire. Isn't it, Rosie? Yeah, that's uh, Pablo Casals, um, who you're referring to. He, um, he, he is the one that we kind of attribute uh, championing these works too, uh, they didn't come to a fore with Mendelssohn's sort of championing of Bach in the 19th century. It was actually Casals who, you know, he found a second-hand copy of the score in Barcelona as a teenager and he was just really taken with the music and, you know, dedicated years and years and years to getting to know it before um, record- recording them actually at the age of 60 um, and the first public performance was 12, 12 years after the score. So you can see there's kind of a whole lifetime dedicated to these works and that's, you know, that's mainly what got them so so renowned. It's a testimony as well to Casal's brilliance as a musician, not just as a technically brilliant player, but his ability to spot music, that he was so smitten with these works and that he wanted to champion them and they have become so well known. And these days are amongst his most popular works and have also proved hugely influential on other composers, not least in the recent times on Britain, for instance. Anyway, talking of cello legends, Mustislav Rostropovich, or Slava Rostropovich as he is regularly known, does not just appear on the cover CD of our January issue. He's also the subject of our main feature, as his former pupil Elizabeth Wilson takes a detailed look at his extraordinary life. And musicians too, such as cellist Mishomaisky and violinist Maxim Vengerov, remember how he shaped their own careers. But for now, as we wrap up this month's podcast, we're going to let the mighty Slava himself have the last say, with a jig from Suite Number no. 6 in D. So, it's goodbye from me, goodbye from Rosie. Goodbye. And take it away, Slava.
Thank you for listening to this BBC Music Magazine podcast, which was produced in our Bristol studio by Jack Fletcher. For more of our podcasts, visit our website at classical-music.com or simply head to iTunes.